Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her lips, or the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. God, I thank you for this day where we can deliberately and intentionally and in a focused way really celebrate these amazing people, God, that you've created and designed for a beautiful purpose, and that's mothers. God, I pray that they would be honored this morning. I pray that they would be, in the right kind of way, exalted this morning. And God, in so doing, as we honor and exalt motherhood, according to the Bible, and mothers, that you would be glorified and honored. I pray your spirit would come God, I don't want this just to be a sentimental morning or mainly a sentimental morning where mothers get nice, warm fuzzies. I want your spirit to come and do a powerful work here today. So would you come, Holy Spirit, in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. So my aim today is uh, that here this morning, here at Real Life Church, in your life, in your home, the all-important, glorious, biblical call of motherhood would be honored, would be esteemed, would be seen as an amazing thing. And this can happen in many ways, but two ways I want to focus on this morning is when motherhood is honored, when two things happen at least, when mothers are celebrated And when mothers seek to have maximum God-glorifying influence on their kids. So if you're a mom or a grandma here this morning, I want you to be deeply encouraged as we honor you and your calling to be a mother or a grandmother. And I also want you to be deeply challenged to embrace this calling with all your heart and seek to excel with all of God's power. So I want you to be encouraged, and you need to be encouraged, because your job, and when I say job, I don't mean that like it's just a job, but, your, but it is a job. Your job is hard. The few times my wife has been gone, and I've had all the kids, especially when they were younger, it's hard. My goodness. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. You need encouragement. And I also want you to be challenged this morning. This morning, here in our church, we have women who have struggled getting pregnant or have been told by doctors they are unable to get pregnant. And they've adopted children. And I want you to know I am speaking to you every bit as much as I am to a mother who gave birth to her children biologically. You need to be encouraged because being a mother is hard. And you need to be challenged because the secular culture wants to make you a disciple of their vision of motherhood. 
And you need constantly to be brought back to God's word and God's vision for what it means to be a mom. John Piper said of his mother, listen, I think this is really powerful. He said, what I owe to my mother for my soul and my love to Christ and my role as a husband and a father and a pastor is incalculable. Being a mother is not a second-class calling. It is a first-class calling for which you, moms, were tailor-made by God. Being a mom is not a job for losers. Okay? It is an all-important job for which the hand of Almighty God has designed you. Being a mother is not like this entry-level role until you graduate and your kids get older and then you can do something more important. Don't think of it that way. It is such a key role in God's kingdom. And being a mother is not a hobby. It's not a weekend kind of thing. You go and you do the mom thing and then, and then you get to do the things you really enjoy. Not in God's sight anyways. No, being a mother is a privilege of the highest degree with responsibilities, and you know this much better than I do, responsibilities 24-7, 365. Our culture tells moms there are more important things for you to do. You need to spread your wings a little bit. You need to get out in the world a little bit. You need to... Live a little. The culture tells moms that pouring yourself into your children might keep you from really living and getting out and experiencing life in this world, which is what you really need. And what is this communicating? It communicates that in your calling as mother, you are having little influence and effect on the world. You could spend your time better, spend your time doing more important things. And I want you this morning, moms, to know and to feel that that is wrong. That is a lie. There is nothing more important that you could be doing than giving yourself to being a mother to your children. As a whole, Um, And I've heard others say this too, so this is not novel to me. It's not a novel thought or saying. But you think about this. As a whole, mothers might be the most influential people in the entire world. The time mothers spend with their kids, teaching them and feeding them and nurturing them and caring for them and giving rides to and from activities and getting up with them in the night and reading and praying and sharing and singing and teaching household chores, things like these kinds of things are enormous. And the time spent is enormous. John MacArthur, who's a pastor out in California, He said, to be a mother is by no means second class. He said, men may have the authority in the home as leaders, but women have the influence. The mother, more than the father, is the one who molds and shapes those little lives from day one. And that is true. And I think sometimes this idea of men having authority and being leaders 
somehow we lose sight of, we think that means they have to have all the influence too. And that is not true. Mothers have much more influence in the lives of their kids than fathers normally. So moms, you have incredible and enormous influence on your kids and you should be deeply encouraged this morning, even though it's hard. Since abortion was written into law in our country in 1973, our society here in America has more or less decreed where children rank last. If they're inconvenient or if it seems overwhelming, then they can just be discarded. In God's view, however, children rank above vocation, excuse me, vacations and money, above fitness and fashion, above hobbies and careers, above convenience and comfort. You might be thinking, if that's true, then to be a mother means I need to give up my life. That's right. (laughs) To be a mom is to give up your life. It's to give up your life. It is to say, I'm not living for me any longer. One time, Alyssa um, was slightly lamenting. Lamenting may not be the right word, but she was slightly lamenting that the kids always want what's on her plate. No matter what they have for dinner, no matter how much they like it, when she sits down with her plate full of food, they want what she has. Any other moms testify? Is that that the way it is in your home too? When she was saying that, what came out of my mouth was almost more of a reflex. In fact, it almost seemed like, it almost seemed like it, the words were put in my mouth because I, I don't think I would have just come up with this at least that fast. But I just said, because, it's, the reason why is because moms are so much like Jesus, right? They want to be with you. They want what, they want what is on your plate. They want you feeding them. They want what you have. But to be a mother is to give up your life. Is to give up your life. I mean, think of the, for those who have have or have had young children, the, the nights you get up with them. And listen, getting up at night, and I've done it too. I'm, we've had, we have five kids. I did my fair share. But getting up in the middle of the night, that's not fun. Right? Cleaning up vomit on the floor, that's not fun. Right? It's to give up your life. It's to say, I am living largely, laying my life down and giving myself to these little people. Here's what a woman named Rachel Jankovic said in a book called Mommy Enough. She said, mothers need to run to the cross, to death. So lay down your hopes, she says. Lay down your futures, Lay down your petty annoyances. Lay down your desire to be recognized. Lay down your fussiness at your children. Lay down your perfectly clean house. Lay down the imaginary life you could have by yourself. Lay them all down. Death to yourself, though, is not the end of the story. The Christian life is a resurrection life. 
a life that cannot be contained by death, a life only possible when you have been to the cross and back. So mothers, only when you sit at the foot of the cross and die with Jesus and choose to die daily with Jesus as you bear your cross, will you find the resurrection life and strength and grace to embrace and love the biblical vision and calling of motherhood. So I want to honor that today. I want you to be honored today as a mother. But motherhood is not honored when we merely pay homage to it or when we talk about it or when we say, isn't this a good thing? But it's honored when we celebrate it, which is different. It's honored when we celebrate it. So I want to read these verses in Proverbs 31 again, and I want to look at how does Proverbs 31, 28 and following show us how we not just honor it, not just say this is a good thing, but how we celebrate mothers. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So notice, how are mothers celebrated here? Well, first it says, her children, the mother's children, rise up and call her blessed. This is an amazing picture. The word blessed is like, it's like saying hooray for mom, okay? It's not just like saying, mom, you are a blessed person, but it's like getting up from the table after dinner and saying, you are amazing, mom. Or I heard somebody, one person say, it's like a biblical high five, like, yes, mom, you're awesome. Imagine this, imagine this. And shouldn't it be this way? Mom makes an amazing meal or grandma, and everyone after the meal is finished eating, dessert, right, the whole works. And when everyone's done eating and they're full and they are happy with what they just ate, everyone pushes their chairs back, gets up, and starts clapping for mom. That's the picture we see here. Hooray for mom. Mom is amazing. Mom is the best. Now, some of you are thinking, (laughs) you don't know my kids. That's not the way things work in my home. And listen, I'm with you. I got work, we have work to do in our home too. Of course, kids don't naturally do this, but it can be learned. And where do kids learn this? Well, They learn it from their dads. Isn't that what it says? The very next verse says, her husband also praises her. And then in quotes, it says this. It's like, this is what the husband is saying. Many women have done excellently, babe, but you are better than them all. That's what, okay? Kids don't do this naturally. Kids are gripers. They're murmurers. They, they are complainers. I don't like this. I want that instead of this. Why didn't you make this kind of pie for us tonight? Right? So where do they learn this? They learn this 
from their dads. Now, you thought this was just a Mother's Day sermon, didn't you? But dads, this is on us. We need to set the tone in our homes of praise and honor for our mothers. Not just, don't talk to your mom that way, but you are amazing, babe. You are the best. So our children see that. And they learn to rise up and call their mother blessed. Men, you set the tone. Is your wife celebrated and praised and blessed in your home? Not just honored in this unspoken way, but celebrated and praised and blessed and boasted in. Really, that's the, when, when it says her husband also praises her, it's saying her husband boasts about her. And it even says he's like boasting to her about her in front of the kids. Men, are, you, are your kids allowed to treat your mo- th- their mother excuse me, like garbage? Are they allowed to speak to her like the family dog that isn't liked much? Then that is the tone you are setting by your passivity in the home. And it is dishonoring to God big time. Men, are you publicly boasting about your wife? How you love her and what a blessing she is? If you're doing that, then again, you are setting the tone in your home of what is praiseworthy and of what is beautiful and of what is good. How should you praise your wife, the mother of your children? You might be asking this question. You might be, some might be thinking if there's hard things going on in your home, you might be thinking, I have a hard time thinking of ways I can praise my wife. Well, if that's you today, it is on you to get with God and ask him to help you see your wife the way he sees your wife. Right? The Bible says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. In other words, husband, love your wives, husbands, love your wives in a sacrificial way that looks like you are laying your life down for her. And how did Jesus do that? He initiated it. He loved us, his church, when we were completely unlovable and unlovely. The Bible says he loved us while we were sinners, even more while we were enemies of his. That's when Christ loved us. And husbands, we need to love our wives in the same kind of way where we are initiating, where we are blessing and praising and boasting about them and getting with God and saying, help me to do this, God. Ray Ortland, in his commentary on these verses says this to husbands. God wants you husbands Wants to see your, excuse me, husbands, God wants to see your wife become more and more capable because of you. And he wants to hear you and your kids cheering her on all the way. Isn't that amazing? Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we be aiming for that picture around the dinner table 
where everyone gets up and starts clapping. Wouldn't that be amazing? How honored would the mother of your kids or you mothers be in a setting like that? I mean, it's almost like the culture is trying to push motherhood a certain way. We need to so aggressively try to praise and honor what true motherhood is and celebrate it when we see it. So men, set the tone, both in how you lead this chorus of boasting about mom and what you prohibit from being said to mom in the home. Honor the mother of your kids, set the tone, and the kids, the children, will follow your lead. So motherhood is honored when it is celebrated, and we should celebrate it. We should celebrate it as a church. We should, we should, we should honor and celebrate mothers more often than one day a week. We should, when, when, when we see a mother who's doing really well, or a mother who just is, right, stressed to the max, five kids, three kids, young kids, looks like they're tired, maybe they're up all the night before, we need to encourage them and seek to build them up. And I think of, okay, there's some single mothers among us too, and they don't have a husband who's going to set this tone. So as a church, we come around them and we say, God is doing such a beautiful work in your life. You are doing great. When we see praiseworthy things in these mothers, we should let them know. And if, uh, if possible, we should let them know in front of their kids. So their kids hear that boasting about their mom. So motherhood is honored when it is celebrated. But motherhood is also honored when mothers seek to have maximum God-glorifying influence in their kids' lives. And I say God-glorifying influence because every mom will have an influence in their kids' lives. Every mom will. I want you, mothers, to aim at and seek to have the kind of influence that will leave the mark of God on them. That's going to impact them for the kingdom, for Christ forever. The amazing thing is, and we all know this if we're grown up a little bit, it's not just your kids that you're affecting, but think of the countless lives that they will affect when they get older. I mean, I think Matt was kind of alluding to that earlier. But you are impacting the lives of your kids, right? Your 8-year-old and 10-year-old or your 15-year-old. Or, but through them, indirectly, you are having impact on countless lives. I loved what Spurgeon said. He said, I cannot tell you what I owe to the solemn Word of my good mother. And if you know anything about Charles Spurgeon, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about him. He was a preacher in the mid-1800s in England. And even at that time, his printed sermons were going all over the place, all over the world. 
I think it's safe to say that millions of lives have been impacted by Charles Spurgeon. And when I hear him say that, it makes me say, thank goodness for his mom. I praise God for his mother. Not just for Charles Spurgeon, but for his mom too. Who had such a big impact on his life. So mothers, how do you have this maximum God-glorifying influence on your kids? To unpack this, I want to take a woman in the Bible that we actually know very little about. We don't know a whole lot about this woman. But what we do know, we know enough to say that she was a very remarkable woman. Has anyone here ever heard the name Eunice in the Bible? Ever heard of Eunice? If you haven't, that's okay. I think she's referenced by name once, maybe two other times indirectly. Her son's name was Timothy. Ever heard of Timothy? Timothy is the one to whom the letters 1 and 2 Timothy were written by the Apostle Paul. He was writing to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, a man who Paul considered a spiritual son, someone that Paul was very close to. At the end of Paul's life, he said, Timothy, I mean, Paul knew his days were numbered. He knew he was going to be executed soon. And he was in prison. And he said, Timothy, come to me soon. Right? He was, Timothy was very close with none other than the Apostle Paul. Timothy was a fellow missionary specifically chosen by Paul to travel with him. Look at Acts chapter 16. It says Paul wanted Timothy to come with him. Timothy was a faithful follower of Christ, even to his own death at the hands of persecutors. And who from his youngest years had such a prominent influence in Timothy's life? It was his mom. It was Eunice. It's clear that Timothy received his spiritual heritage from two prominent women in his life, both his grandmother, uh, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. His dad was not a believer. His dad was a Greek unbeliever in Christ. So if you're a single mother here, or you're married to a husband who is not taking the lead as he should, I want you to take courage from Eunice today. You can have incredible impact, lifelong impact in your kids' lives. So how did Eunice so deeply impact Timothy? There are two ways that I want to point out. And what I want to frame these as exhortations to you mothers. Okay? Two ways that Eunice, Timothy's mother, so deeply impacted him. And I want you to take these as exhortations and how you can impact your kids. Mother, so first, mothers, I challenge you to live out a sincere faith in your home. Live out a sincere faith in your home. Don't let your kids see you just give lip service. Like the Pharisees, Jesus said, you, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You do things that dishonor me. Don't let, your, don't let your kids see this feigned hypocrisy in the home. 
Don't let your kids see, hey, we're going to church today and then at home. Such ungodly behavior. But also, live a sincere life in that you're not pretending to be somebody you're not at home. Listen to how it talks about um, Eunice, Timothy's mother. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says this, I am reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith. This is 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. See that connection there? It dwelt in Lois, the grandmother, and in Eunice, the mother. Timothy says, now I'm, I'm confident this sincere faith is dwelling in you as well. To be sincere is to be without hypocrisy, unfeigned, undisguised, genuine, real. Paul says in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. The word genuine here is the same as sincere. Let love be sincere. Let love be genuine. The English word sincere comes from two Latin words, sine, which means without, and sera, which means wax. And in the ancient world, dishonest merchants or sellers of pottery, dishonest potters would make this piece of pottery and cover the cracks and the deficiencies of it with wax so that it looked nicer than it actually was and they could sell it for more than it was actually worth. A more honest merchant would place a sign over his pottery reading sine sera or without wax or sincere. This is the real thing. There's no wax on here. This is what you see is what you get. It's right here. So customers would know the pottery was genuine. So mothers <clears throat> in your home with your kids, don't fake it. Don't fake it. Otherwise, you just teach your kids that that's what Christians do. And they will be little hypocrites who grow up to be adult hypocrites if you don't show them the real thing. Don't put wax over your cracks. Don't pretend you have no weaknesses. Then you obscure God's grace in your life. Your kids need to know, they need to see from you, mothers, what it looks like to confess your sins to God. What it looks like to repent. What it looks like to be sorry for sin. What it looks like to reconcile with someone you're in disagreement with. Let your faith be sincere in your homes. Your kids need to see from you what it looks like to love Jesus, though imperfectly, but to love him. Your kids need to see from you what a forgiven person looks like. Broken-hearted joy at the grace of God that is never-ending. The blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sins. If they don't see it from you, it's going to be harder for them to see it from others. Your kids need to see from you how to work through difficulties, how to suffer 
through challenging things. They need to see from you how to give thanks in all things and for all things. So be real. Be sincere. Be without wax, right? So what does this mean? Well, it's a message in itself. I understand that. But in a nutshell, it means mothers, you need to stay close to the cross. You just need to stay, keep the cross central. Because the gospel and the cross frees us from needing to put wax on ourselves so we look different than we actually are. Paul said to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And I think that ought to be the the mantra in our homes. That our kids would know nothing among us and we would know nothing in our home except this, Christ and him crucified. The cross of Jesus Christ is the fountainhead of grace. So moms, keep the cross central. So how do you have impact on your kids? By living a sincere faith at home. Do not, do not do something like do as I say and not as I do. Don't do that. That is so destructive. But also, don't put a phony smile on your face and say everything's great when it's not. I'm not saying that your kids need to know about all of the difficulties and challenges in the home. But they need to see what sincere faith and trust in Christ looks like. And they need to see it from their moms. Here's another way that Timothy's mother had a deep impact on his kids, on on Timothy, on him. And I challenge you mothers. Mothers, teach your kids to love the Bible. Teach your kids to love the Bible. Of all the things, of all the information, we have homeschooling families here and But every parent that is involved in their kids' lives, you're teaching them all kinds of different things, right? Teaching them how to read and teaching them how to tie their shoe and teaching them all different kinds of things. Of all the things you will teach them, to teach them to love the Bible might be the most important. Here's what it says about Timothy here in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Verses 14 and 15. Paul says this. Again, he's writing to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From childhood, he was acquainted with the sacred scriptures, for him it was Old Testament, but it was, right, it was their Bible. He was acquainted with sacred scripture. His mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, instilled in him that this is God's word. This is the most precious book in all the world. Love it. Listen to it. Get in it. Read it. Be acquainted with it. And mothers, is there any, is there anything better that you could do and still in them? than that, 
I don't mean some dry belief that this book is important and I really need to read it for an hour and 15 minutes a day. And I mean a love for God's words and the Bible. John Wesley said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than all the theologians in England. John Wesley was powerfully used in the Great Awakening by God. And at one place, he said, one point he said, he he defined himself as a man of one book. Where did he get that love? First, from his mom, from his mother. She instilled in him a love for the book, for the book of books. Now, I don't remember the whole story, but John Wesley's mother was like, she was a mother of like 12 something. I mean, it's just insane. And to have quiet time, I don't know exactly how this looks, but she'd like pull an apron over her head or something. And, and when her kids saw that mom had the apron over her head, they knew mom is not to be interrupted right now. Right? So it's not like she, it's not like, I think, is, what's her, I don't even, is it Suzanne? Suzanne Wesley? Okay. Um, she, it's not like she had one child and he was a piece of cake. She had 12 kids she was raising, but she taught them to love God's word. A few years ago, on the cover of Time magazine, it was the cover story, I think, the, the, the episode or the, um, that month's magazine was about this throughout. But it asked a question, and the question was this, are you mom enough? Anyone remember that? It was this really strange, it was like, it was a picture of this mom breastfeeding like a four-year-old. <laughs> it was very strange. Um, but asking the question, are you mom enough? And you may be wondering the same thing today. You may be thinking it's, it's hard, and I'm just trying to get through each day. I just feel like I'm treading water to keep my head above. I feel like I'm ready to sink at any moment, and I'm just fighting to not sink. And I can't imagine a more demanding thing to do than to be a mother. But it's meant to also be a joy. It's meant to be hard. I mean, I think God designed it to be challenging, to be hard, giving birth, taking care of little babies, changing diapers, uh, and all the things that go on over the years. But it's meant to be a joy as well. And God intends to give every mother who gives themselves to the sacred responsibility and duty, all the strength that they need to do it. Hudson Taylor, I love these encouraging words. He's not talking about motherhood. He's talking about, but it applies. He was a missionary to China. He said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You believe that? God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And so if you are excited about being a mother, 
I mean, just you're thrilled. You can't wait to get up the next day and be mom again. Amen. <laughs> Keep going. And if sometimes you struggle with all the things that are before you on your plate of being mom, then I want you to be encouraged today that God and your husband ought to be, and we want to work for your kids to be, and as a church, we want to be a cheerleader for you to do it to God's glory. And if some feel like they've made mistakes or they, are, they don't know how to go on, I want you to know that this morning God is extending mercy for all mistakes, for every mistake that's been made. And I make lots of mistakes as a dad. I need mercy. There's grace to take away all your guilt over those mistakes you've made. There's love to cover a multitude of sins. Your sins. Your kids too, but yours. And more than enough strength for you to fulfill your calling. Let's pray. God, we love you. When you sent your son down into the world, you didn't send him down as a toddler who just was plopped here on earth or as a young man or as a grown man, but you intended for him to come and be born of a woman and be raised by a mother being a mother is an amazing thing. And I, Lord, I just pray that, your, that the mothers here would feel your smile upon them and encounter your cheering of them to keep going and receive your strength for everything that lies ahead. God, like Proverbs 31, 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I can't help but think that that's saying, you are praising this woman. She's to be praised by God, boasted in by God, celebrated by God himself, by you, God. So I pray, Lord, that motherhood would be honored, mothers would be honored, that the mothers here would, would receive strength and grace for all that's ahead of them with their little ones or toddlers or teenagers or even mothers who, are, who have grown children. It just it doesn't end. And many of them are grandmothers of little ones too. May, they be, may the grandmothers here be like Lois and may the mothers here be like Eunice. To your glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.